Hello, my friends. This is Bard's Backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. Josh and I are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate, including today's. Write us, email us at askvgb at gmail.com. Uh, send us some suggestions, maybe for topics or questions you have or recommendations. We would love to hear from you. You can support the podcast by giving our social media posts a like, following us on Twitter or Instagram or wherever, uh, on your podcast service of choice, we're on Spotify, and by dropping us uh, a review on Apple Podcasts. We accept all honest reviews as long as they are five stars. <laughs> and honestly, if you're not giving us five stars, you have better things to be doing. Indeed. Last time, yes, last time we talked about Dark Souls, specifically remastered, although I don't think we got into too much of the, uh, the differences between the original game and the remastered game for the Switch, but uh, we did get into Dark Souls, and it was one heck of a journey. I think our longest podcast to date, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, yes, um, and um, quite honestly, we could have kept going. Like Dark Souls, I feel like that, oh, yeah. that game, and, and at least for sure the series as a whole, could be a whole dedicated podcast in and of itself like you could have 200 episodes you know just talking about all the different character stuff so like we did our best to condense <laughs> um so but it was still a big one yeah absolutely and and i think too like i text you after the podcast i was like oh i should have said this i should have said this there is so much more to talk about those games are uh thick there's so much to them there's so much depth beautiful games thick with two C's. and uh Yes, yes, exactly. Go listen to that podcast. See what our decision was, whether Dark Souls entered into the Hall of Games. And then, Josh, let me ask you, what is the status of the Red Pixel podcast? Are you and uh, Karina able to upload pretty regularly here? Yeah, so I know I mentioned last time, for those of you who listen, that I was going to be kicking it back up what was now two weeks ago, and that didn't happen. And the reason it didn't happen was because we were, Karina and I were about to go on a, a vacation, for one. Um, and then two, it was just a dead week of news. And I just thought, you know what? By the time we get out of South Carolina, where we were, by the time we get back to our home and we get resettled, and by the time it's the next Friday that we're going to be uploading, E3 will have happened. We'll have a ton of stuff to react to and break down. Yeah. And I just thought it didn't make a whole lot of sense to jump into it and then take a week off and then have the E3 covered. So I figured like E3 can just be our big coming back, you know, re grand awakening, whatever you want to call it. So that's, that's the idea we're going to be recording this week. So that's the goal for it. And um, the other thing I want to mention as far as both Red Pixel and Bard's Backlog is concerned is that I'm planning on getting the episodes going forward up on YouTube as well. Hey. Currently, they are not. And I'm going to be working with some you know, uh, background imaging and stuff, trying to figure out how that's all going to work and the best way to handle that. The reason that I wasn't uploading to YouTube for the last year or so has been because of our internet situation. But now that Karina and I have moved and we have our own dedicated internet, there's no reason not to. And I think we can get a lot of stuff done. I'm also kicking around the idea of kind of just filling out that YouTube channel with more original content. We'll see what happens. But at the very least, I'm going to start to get those these podcast episodes up there as well. And 
I might yeah. take the ones that we've done in the past. You know, we're on episode 21 now, so the previous 20 and try and get them on there in some capacity. We'll see. Um, but for sure, going forward, I'm going to try and get that to be a thing. Because we're on all the podcast services, but YouTube is just a great way for people to discover. And so I want to certainly utilize that. And so that's that's kind of the plan yeah. for both Red Pixel and Bard's Backlog. But yeah. Yeah, perfect. And, you know, YouTube, too, is just a whole other beast. I mean, video editing is, is something in and of itself. So it's a it's a crazy beast for sure. Yeah, and that's been another thing, actually, is I don't have access to the Adobe suite of products anymore. Mm-hmm. So I've been, actually, this last week kind of looking at alternatives, and I, I think I've struck on a pretty good one. So I'm excited to get working on that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and Josh, how is settling into the new place? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Tell oh, us. Oh, I love it. It's so awesome. It's, it's a really nice... The, the apartment we moved into is like actually literally brand new. Like It just got finished being built last year uh-huh. in the fall. And so it's like... And it you can tell it like smells brand new and everything. And so like that's awesome. Obviously, because of that, though, there's like some kinks that need to be worked out and the the... Um, property management company kind of has some things that they're trying to figure out too. So there's been a little bit of a transition, but it's, it's a ton of fun. We've got a lot of space. It's a two bed, two bath, which is a little bit too big for us to be honest, but we can, we can afford it. And it's, it's in a really nice location close to downtown. And yeah, we're, we're mostly moved in. We got a few boxes in the office still just because we, we got rid of one of our junk, um, bookshelves so we got to get another bookshelf because i have gobs (laughs) and gobs of books and gotta make sure dude there's something about a real book though i know you and i've talked about that but there's something about holding the pages in your hands you know yeah dude and amazon scared me they scared me man earlier this year they started censoring stuff and i'm like you can't do that you can't like and so like i've switched to physical like i got a a tablet and I think it was this last Christmas, maybe it was a little bit before then, but I got this brand new tablet and I was, you know, raring to go on that. I was excited about it and I had gotten some books and then Amazon, lo and behold, censors a couple of things. And I, that like, that really like made like my heart drop a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. I literally yeah. just read um, Fahrenheit 451 last semester and that that's it's literally censorship is what that whole book is about like they're burning books and that's like their way of keeping the the people from being informed and whatnot and so i just i got a lump in my throat and i was like you know i gotta i gotta get some some nice hard copies and so i went on a a book three actually karina could tell you like march and april i think i bought like 15 books and i haven't read you know most of them i've got i've been working through them slowly but surely but like i got oh, the bugs course. Yeah. you know so but yeah so i, I need a bookshelf for all these books <laughs> you know i had an idea uh when i was thinking about like my dream house and having kids and everything i was like you know what i should do is like put easily readable books on the lowest shelf and then the next level of reading on the next shelf and then the hardest level of reading maybe the really abstract thoughts the the really in-depth allegories, maybe things like, um, oh, geez, I don't even know. like Maps of meaning. I guess, like, yeah, like, sure, yeah, like the, the laws of power, maps of meaning, um, things like that, Robert Greene. Um, you know, uh, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. Put those on the top shelf, right? And so when a kid, like, looks up 
they literally are aiming for what's higher, you know what That's I mean? Awesome. Things like yeah. that. So, yeah, just, I don't know, just kind of a quirky, quirky idea. But I would love for my children to have access to those books in the physical copy, just so no one can take them away. Yeah, you know, Jeff sure. Bezos is planning on taking a rocket ship ride. Uh, maybe he's up there on his smartphone censoring books while he's doing it. I don't know. He seems like a guy who multitasks. But anyway, so, yeah, no, I'm totally with you there. Um, so, Josh, the games we've been playing. Yes. I know there's been a uh, little time that we have uh, had, I mean, you and your move, although it is summertime and I'm enjoying a, an extra amount of time just because school is out, etc. I've been working like mad, but I have had some free time here and there. And uh, I've been playing just one other game other than today's feature, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But tell me more, because you have a little bit longer list than I do. Yes. <laughs> tell me about the games you've been playing. Yeah, so school got out May 28th, I think I finished working, and so... June, the first week of June, I just, I dove into some games, you know, I finished up Dark Souls for that podcast and I caught the bug. So I just decided, you know what? I was, I was at a high, I had finished a From Software game. I was like, I'm going to finish the rest. So I jumped into Dark Souls 2, beat it that week. And then the next week I beat Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3. (laughs) And so I have just been like flying through these games and they have been such a trip. Oh my goodness. I could spend hours just talking about each one right now. I'm, I'm playing Sekiro. So that's the, that's the pretty much the only game other than our pick for this week that I've been uh, diving into. And I, I am so glad that I played the other ones getting to Sekiro. Sekiro is the hardest game I have ever played bar none. And I've played some hard. I played some hard retro games. You know the original Castlevania. I, you know, blood, sweat, and tears like pushed yep. through that thing. Yep. Uh, some of the old Mega Man games. Uh, I mean, you could, you could, of course, look at a lot of retro games and say that they're difficult. But like even like more modern ones. I'm trying to think of one that really compares to Sekiro, and nothing really comes to mind. This game requires a level of skill and precision that quite honestly, just people aren't going to be able to attain. It's not like yeah. dark souls at all. Oh, I mean, it is, I mean, it's from the same group and of course there's some similarities, but it has like really focused in on the, the skill side of things. And if you're not skilled, you're done. Like, and, and that was my first experience when I got the game in 2019, I, I, it felt like I was banging my head against a wall, and I was so mad. It yep. was like, you know, like, I, I could feel the ship sinking, and I had a little bucket, and I was trying to get water out, and but there was a <laughs> hole in the bottom of the ship. Like, it was a nightmare, yep. and I, and Karina, we had just, Karina and I had just gotten married, and she could tell you, like, I was mad trying to play through Sekiro. <laughs> I was, like, wouldn't talk to her, you know, just, like, red in the face, like, my and and it's a very sweaty game so like my palms get yeah. <laughs> very sweaty playing it so sure, even now sure. i have to take a break but like back then oh like and, and i jumped into it without having the run-up that i've had with the other souls games so that has been a huge benefit like i i blew right past the guy that i got stuck on last time 
And I remember there I died go. to him like 30 or 40 times before I just, you know, threw my controller down and said, screw this game. Um, and this time I beat him on like my third try. Like, still took me a couple times, but I, I am definitely benefiting from the other games in the From Software suite. But mm-hmm. Sekiro, man, it's, it is by far the hardest game I've ever played. And it is so rewarding when it clicks. And it, the, the thing, <laughs> the funny thing about it too, is that you have to like get it to click every time. It's like warming up for a dance routine. And if you don't do the warm up, if you don't allow yourself to kind of like fall a couple times here or there, you're not going to be able to execute perfectly. Um, and yep. that happens every time you turn it on. It's like, okay, you got to warm back up to this. There's a cadence to it. There's a timing to it. And if you are not patient, if you if you get a little flustered in that warm up time, the whole dance routine is going to fall apart. So like each time it's it's a it's a focus you got to be paying close attention you know you can't be there's no funny business don't be trying to watch something else while you're doing it don't be like you know imbibing something that's gonna alter your state of mind or anything like you have to be like (laughs) honed and paying attention and when you get into that rhythm though it's 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 a ton of fun and I I've gotten much further than I had before and I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the end. I know like right now I'm at a high cause I've gotten past a couple of like big name bosses, you know, and I'm like, yeah, like I can do this now. Yeah. And who knows? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a from software game. So who knows what's around the corner and what's going to yeah. challenge me next, but been having a ton of fun with that. Yeah. And like I said, I could jump into every single dark souls game, man. Okay. Let me do this. I'll give you just like a quick impression of each one, just like one sentence Go ahead. of each. Yeah, 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 please do. So Dark Souls, the first one, I think it's still my favorite Souls game. Okay. Because it's it's world. Its world is just very distinct from the other ones are, are a yeah. lot more linear. I was very surprised. Like yeah. you still got those, those shortcuts within areas, but you don't have like a moment where you walk through a a door and firelink shrine and then you show up in blight town in the valley of the drakes and you're like whoa that's cool i didn't realize these are connected in that way like that doesn't happen very much in the other ones so dark souls i still say sure. is my favorite two is is such an interesting game it takes bits and pieces of dark souls that some people love and some people hate and it capitalizes on it so if you if you don't like those bits and pieces you're gonna hate the game but if you love sure, those yeah. parts of Dark Souls, it's going to be yeah. your favorite Dark Souls game. So Either way, it's going to be amplified, right? Right, in one way or the other. So Dark Souls 2, very divisive, ton of fun, was able to beat that. That one I used the guide for, and I I just, I'm going to be shamelessly saying, like, yeah, I, I pretty much followed the guide every step of the way. Um, Dark Souls 3 has some influence from bloodborne in there it's got that dark souls flair i'd say it's the most uh focused of the three it's it's pretty epic and they've got a lot of really great boss fights but i think just in the mix of everything else it it kind of it disappeared on my radar like i don't want to say it's forgettable but between all four of the games that i've been playing it definitely was the one that was kind of like oh yeah this one's kind of like everything else you know, it it didn't necessarily yeah. make its own identity. That being said, I was it's thinking, a ton of fun. 
Yeah, I was thinking after we chatted about Dark Souls last time, uh, just to interject quickly, that the only thing that was really missing from Dark Souls was more story. And mm. I don't mean necessarily uh, filling in holes in the lore because I do love the speculation. Yeah. Um, but but what I mean is like more background on each of the characters. Sure. Like uh, like that that epic cut scene that was at the beginning proved to me as the player that you can make some hardcore awesome animation for the background scene that you're setting for this whole story. Oh yeah. And if you had if you could have done that for several of the big bosses, I'm thinking like the cut scene for Ornstein and Smau is fantastic, right? And then the the middle in between when one absorbs the other's powers is is also epic. But if you if you could have had like maybe a 30 to 45 second, maybe a minute and a half or so cut scene for each of the major bosses depicting their backgrounds, their feelings, the the, the way they got wrapped into doing this chore um, etc. That would just would have made the game three times more rich. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I, when you told me you played through all of the Souls games and have beaten them all since our last podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the difference. <laughs> you know, it's like when uh, when um, uh, you know Goku sees um, I'm gonna mess up his name Vegeta or whatever Vegeta. <laughs> you know, and like for the first time, you know, and the power disparity is so massive. Yeah. It's like, that's how I feel being the casual <laughs> half of this podcast. Well, I mean, I'm definitely benefiting from like one building into the other, you know, it's a snowballing yeah, cascading for sure. effect for sure. Yeah. And two is the hardest of the Dark Souls games. And that's why I, but I used a guide, so it was fine. And I had a dex build, so that was a ton of fun. Three is surprisingly like, it's got a lot of like the, I, we talk about the artificial difficulty you know where like it just kind of sucker punches you like you chase an enemy sure. and then two others ambush you like haha like that happens a lot in dark souls 3 and so you'll die a yeah. lot in a lot of like dumb ways um but a lot of the times like that one i felt like was kind of the most trolly trolling of the three but um yeah. at the same time it also is pretty honed and two is definitely the alien like it's it's set in a totally different realm it's it's like a hundred thousands of years after the first game, whereas three, it feels like uh, I guess you haven't had this experience necessarily, Jared. But if you ever play a Legend of Zelda game after like a previous one, it has like this familiarity to it, you know. Like sure. you've got Link and Zelda, yeah. and then there's like areas and locales that are like, oh, I this is like the Kakariko Village, like this is their iteration sure. of that, sure. and oh, this, here's the Gorons again, and like these are all like, you know, it feels like you know a poem at a different stanza, but it's all the same poem, and they're kind of rhyming. So three, sure, Dark sure. Souls three, kind of has that feel with the first one, where I was getting like like you run across, it's not Sigmire of Katarina, it's like. It's a different guy, but it's a Katarina guy. It's an onion head dude. Oh, I see. Okay. And there's like sure. a whole little quest with him. And you run into Firelink's shrine. And there's a moment actually where you go, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but like you go and revisit An Orlando, Jared, from Dark Souls. And like you walk mm -hmm. up and it's that it's that giant stairway up to the doors of Ornstein and Smogar. And if you go to the left, you can actually find the corpse of the giant blacksmith. And he's like dead mm. over there. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you're like struck with all this, especially after having played through them. I was like, oh my goodness, this feels right. epic. So like it has a lot of that going for it for sure. But um, yeah, out of like the locales and everything, just three kind of blended in into the background a little bit. Um, sure. And then last Maybe thing, they over I know. Sorry. Yeah. What were you going to say? 
I was going to say maybe they overcorrected because two was so divisive. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe they over, yeah. But anyway, keep 100%. Going. Yeah, and then I was also going to say they're definitely influenced by Bloodborne. Bloodborne yeah, right. is such an interesting game. It's so fast compared to the Dark Souls games, but it's it's visceral because of that. And it's just like, I, I would say it's a little bit more fun, to be honest, like just pure fun. Sure. So it's actually a better entry point than any of the Dark Souls games to From Software, and certainly better than Sekiro. Because um, it's, it's easier, I would say. It's actually the easiest, I'd say, of all their games, which it doesn't strike yeah. you as being that, especially at the start of the game, because it, it, they have that punishing flair, and you have to kind of get used to it. But I breezed through it because I had been, you know, it's the cascading effect. I was doing pretty well at the other ones, so I kind of just continued on with that. But it is such a good game. Like, it's easily accessible. It's a ton of fun. The lore is so interesting and crazy. It deals with, like, this idea of, like, werewolves and beasts and, like, humans turning into beasts. But then at the same time, right underneath that is this bizarre layer of HP Lovecraft and, like, celestial alien entities with giant tentacles and, like... Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, insanity. Like, there's there's this uh, counter. Instead of, like, humanity, you have what's called insight. And the more insight you have, the more of the... Like, basically, the more knowledge of the world you have and the more your mind is open Mm. to what what they call, like, higher planes of experience... And so you actually, with higher insight, you can actually see some of these celestial beings. And they're, like, terrifying and disgusting. And Yeah. Um, but, like, it, it's very interesting the way they play with that. Like, the more insight, the more knowledge you have, the higher you're actually able to achieve that level of intellect. Uh, the more of the world you actually realize is horrifying. And then they have enemies, too, sure. that will actually, like, it, they. it's called, oh, what's the meter called? They, they, oh, they inflict you with frenzy. And essentially what frenzy is, is you're looking at this creature and you literally, your mind, because it's limited, cannot comprehend what that creature is. And so you you basically go mad. So if your frenzy frenzy meter fills up, it does like what bleed does in Dark Souls where it like will take away a chunk of your life if it fills up. Um, so like in game, it doesn't necessarily have a, a big effect, but like it is such an interesting concept that like you literally cannot like process what's in front of you. And so you're like basically going crazy. And so like they, they play it with like insanity and madness. And because of that, the world is just so interesting and cool and they do a lot of cool stuff with it. And then at the same time, it's a very accessible, uh, from software game. So had a ton of fun with that. I was so mad. Jared, because both Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3, I got to the second to last boss the first time I played through it, and I quit. And <laughs> and sure enough, playing through but it again... But you didn't realize like, it at the time? No, no, I didn't. And so, yeah, like, sure enough, playing through it again, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? <laughs> like, I was right yeah. there. Um, but yeah, so it's been a ton of fun. It's been it's been a journey, man. I've been on a journey, and I'm, I'm looking forward to wrapping it up with Sekiro, so... Sorry, yeah, I said one I sentence. Cannot. That was not one sentence. <laughs> no, you're good. I um, I, I'm looking forward to playing all of those, and I will get to them eventually. Um, I might have to do some wheeling and dealing, get a PlayStation somehow, some way. Um, uh, but that's all right. We'll figure it out. Um, I uh, what was I going to ask you? I can't remember. It was um, the you have been nailing it with the games we play in segment lately. So um, just today, actually, Lucy and I purchased Outer Worlds and hmm. Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated from <laughs> nice. our last episode. 
because you had recommended both of them. So we're going to be playing those in the future. That'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, have played both of those and I'll mention those on the next podcast, my own thoughts on those. There you go. Um, but I, at my experience, my, uh, I just have one game to mention for this segment and it pales in comparison. It's a little game called snow runner, which I had mentioned in our game of the year podcast, yeah. um, as a, a pick that uh, was really cool and uh, finally gotten around to really uh, diving into it a little bit. And I mean, it's, it's a fantastic game. I mean, you get, you get thrown right in and it's immediately, it's instinctual. And the whole premise of the game is that you are driving a truck, delivering crucial supplies to different towns. It has an area system that's a lot like Far Cry. Like you unlock checkpoints that uh, like unlock a whole area, similar to Breath of the Wild as well. Um, like a tower kind of a thing. So, um, but the whole area is open right away, and you drive these iconic American trucks, heavy diesel engines, and full of pollution. The whole game is polluted because uh, you're driving these big masculine manly trucks, and you're just driving through mud and snow and water. And uh, I, I was trying to get through some rough terrain the other day, and I got stuck, and my engine just failed. And so now I got to figure out a way how to get out of that situation. I got to go get a bigger truck and pull that truck out, and then I got to repair it, etc. It's a great game. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so it's, it's really enjoyable. The name of that game is snow runner. So a little low key. It's only like, um, what did I pay for it? I think like, um, 29 99 or something like that. So it's on the bottom side. Uh, no more than that. Cause it was more than Hades and Hades is 34 99. So I think it might've been 30, 39 99. And still, I mean, uh, while I mentioned it, Hades is still the best bang for your buck you're going to get ever. Oh yeah. So, um, you absolutely, every single one of you needs to get Hades. It's a fantastic, amazing game. But anyway, yeah, snow runner. It's, so interesting uh, really that, you, fun game. that you brought it back up jared because it was tickling the back of my mind the other day actually like literally like a week and a half ago um snow because a guy who i follow on youtube mentioned it um his name is acg and he does like really good reviews but he he brought up like snow runner as a really great game on i think game pass and he was like talking about like bro i got addicted to this thing like yeah he you know he's like a jrpg you know outriders like shooter nut and now he's over here playing this like weird trucker game and like he said he just like all of a sudden lost like a week and a half of his life to this thing (laughs) and was like streaming it and in love and he found like this whole community that was like loving it with him and it was so funny because I was like, SnowRunner, that sounds so freaking familiar. And then yep. you bring it back up here, and I'm like, that's what it was. It was that Jared yeah. game. So it's so funny that you actually introduced it to me, and then it was validated by someone else a little later. So Yeah. It's not uh, it's not glamorous, certainly, but uh, no blue-collar work is glamorous, typically. <laughs> so <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. So, Josh. I just had a quick question for you for our default segment. The, um, when you meet someone, Someone brand new, and maybe you have to work with them in the future, maybe you don't, maybe you meet them at a restaurant, maybe it's a, a server or a bartender or someone in the industry or someone who's helping you out or just a chance meeting in a bookstore or a coffee shop, something like that, and you get to talking with them, let's say you've been talking for about 10 minutes, 
And then all of a sudden they say something and you just, your blood curls a little bit. <laughs> Doesn't have to be anything obscene, but just like something that like, uh-oh, I don't think I want to keep getting to know this person. <laughs> and if you've ever had a moment like that, let me ask you, what was that thing? What was that red flag, yeah. um, to put it, that that turned you off? And has that happened repeatedly? What are some red flags when you first meet someone that you're like, ooh, I might not want to associate with this person? Yeah, well, I'd say... I say like if you're if you're at to the point where there's ten minutes of conversation that has happened with me, then we're in a pretty good spot. I'm not yeah. I'm not like the most outgoing guy in the world. I will kind of like you know test the water to see what the temperature is and if the person responds with short curt answers with my first second question, then I just stop entirely. And and I'm bad yeah. with first impressions just in general, just because I, I always kind of assume the mm. worst of someone <laughs> like on the side of the, you know, on the sidewalk, uh, walking past them in the store. And then certainly even after a couple questions, I just assume the worst. So like, if I got to the point where I'm at a 10 minute length conversation with them, then I'm pretty open at that point. Like you've opened me sure, up in sure. my shell and I'm, and I'm willing to kind of accept a lot, but one thing that I know for sure, and this is this is gonna show my traditional side for sure here, but one thing that really like kind of gets under my skin and will definitely kind of shut me up and make me want to not talk to you anymore is if you just like out of the blue, out of nowhere, just sort of like rag on capitalism mm. and like kind of like talking out of your butt a little and just make some offhand comment about that or bring it up in some negative way without any other context. Like, and that's surprisingly it's, it's happened to me on a couple of occasions and sure. I just, every time I'm like, no, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. be a little more educated. It seems, <laughs> yeah. It seems exactly. I was going to say, it seems to be a little bit when you say it like that, it seems to be, um, someone who seems to be uh, less educated than they should be if they're just ragging on one entire system of government. And that's that's kind of would be my response as well, but I'm going to use a different example. If someone either loves or hates, and I mean those in extreme terms, Donald Trump, I'm like, mm. ooh, red flag there. That's a good one. Because it really shows like a type, you know, it's a really good cultural barometer to kind of determine like where someone's at, whether how closed-minded they are, like how... You know, you know, I really don't want to be dealing with a volatile person. And I get nervous if someone really loves Donald Trump. They're like, ooh, they might not like me. Or if they really hate Donald Trump, like, ooh, they might not like me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, so interesting. I mean, along those lines, I would say also, like, if if you say something that I just read a hot take of on Twitter. Sure. Like, and you're sure. just spouting back that opinion mindlessly. I'm done with you as well, you know, like, yeah, because yeah, Twitter's absolutely. full of hot takes. It's full of like, you know, whatever trending topic of the day, everyone's got an opinion on, like someone says something and then just all these mindless sheep all ascribe to that opinion. And if you just take to that and you don't have a thoughtful take on it, or if you just bring it up out of the blue, which happens, then at that point, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like we were having an engaging conversation and you just dumped it down significantly. Yeah, exactly. Which kind of fits in with the Trump yeah. thing, because Trump was certainly that for a lot of his time in office, and now it's other stuff, and it's still Trump sometimes. Trump. <laughs> but, right. yeah, I, right. I've had that experience for sure. Yeah. 
just curious. It's funny how um, we use the political and cultural um, norms of the day to kind of use a barometer for other people, and 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 people like to deny and say no one should stereotype anyone else. But to be honest, our brains are built to adapt quickly and then streamline process True. to be as efficient as possible. We are, we are not designed to be thinking consciously very hard all the time. We would run out of energy and die probably before we were all 40 if we did that, if we just thought continuously and nonstop. We are designed to make things efficient, and so that means we stereotype and we generalize and we, we kind of group people together, and we that's our way of making the world tolerable and not too much unknown, or else yeah. our anxiety would fly through the roof. And I think to fight those natural stereotypes is really a losing battle, and you really... It's okay to stereotype people as long as you are open-minded to the fact that you could have been wrong about them. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So, and it's interesting that you and I both mentioned, you know, political and cultural hot topics, really, to, to gauge that. And that is true. That's the, the cultural language of the day. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it kind of made me think about it for, for a second. I, I do have, your, I have uh, another in- question for you, Jared, along these lines. Go ahead. You're, you consider yourself a man of faith, correct? Yes, so how do you feel about people who kind of who rag on your faith? And not necessarily because it's your faith, like maybe they don't realize sure. what you believe, yeah. but like what what's your reaction to that? Like if some like if an atheist like just, you know, was like, "Oh, well, God's not real." Like what's your reaction? Yeah. How do you feel about that? What do you say back in response to it? Sure. So I had a great conversation. It was very brief. Very less less than 30 seconds. But I kind of tongue-tied him a little bit. He, he had said he believes in karma. And I say, well, you know, I believe in God, and that's like roughly the same thing. <laughs> I was like, that's my, you know, it's not, obviously. Yeah, fate. But I was saying, People like, that's... People will ascribe fate to God. Exactly. And I was like, you, you believe in karma, right? And he's like, well, yes, yes, but they're not the same. And I'm like, no, th- you know, they're not the same. But here's what I mean by that. I was like, I believe, or rather, let's switch around. You believe that karma is the universe adjusting. So if you if you push out good vibes, you're going to get good vibes in return. If you push out negative vibes, you're going to get negative vibes in return. And I said, in what science book is that a physical enforced law? Gravity is an enforced law. We don't really know what enforces it. We just know that it's enforced. It's like observable. You jump, you fall. It's observable. Whereas karma is a belief system. Yeah. Like who is enforcing that? And I said... Or, or what is enforcing it? And if I said, if you ask what is enforcing that, and then you just mildly change the question to who is enforcing that, mm-hmm. then you come to the conclusion that I've come to, which is that there is a entity who is omnipotent that enforces that karmic justice that you're talking about, which is not anti-biblical. God said, you know, he, uh, what's the, what's the verse I'm looking for? It's, um, uh, nothing escapes his eye, essentially. It's like, you know. Yeah, reap what you sow. Exactly. You reap what you sow and the evildoer will be seen and nothing escapes the eye of the Lord, etc. And I was like, that's the same thing. I just believe that it's God that's enforcing it and you believe that it's the universe. And he was just like, well, no, but wait, but no, like he, he actually was legitimately. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 it wasn't like a gotcha moment. It was literally I didn't think about it. I just responded. I mm-hmm. said, you know, I've thought about karma before. And here's, I think we're talking the same language, but you believe that it's the universe and I believe that it's, you know, God, et cetera. And uh, so, you know, that was, it was a good little snippet of conversation. And I think we really respected each other after that because we realized, oh shoot, there's some common ground between the two of us, even though he's agnostic and and I'm a believer. And then uh, two, my other friend, uh, Joe is is an atheist and he and I have great conversations about faith all the time. We like to test and challenge each other. Um, so when someone just rags on it, 
I, I often assume it's most of the time, 80, 80% or more, is due to the fact that they have dealt with unfavorable people in my in the faith that they're ragging on. And there's certainly Typically. a lot of those. Like, exactly. And, and a lot of people will be turned away from a specific faith because of people within that faith not doing, you know, not living up to the best ideal of their faith. And I think that the, the swift and brief answer to that is humility, really. Like, you know, so, you know, it, I think believers of all faiths could do a better job espousing what they believe and, and, uh, and being on top of that. But sometimes they drop the ball and, and that's when you lose people. And, yeah. and fair enough, that happens in life. So it, everyone's on an individual journey and it's not your or mine responsibilities to make sure that other people are doing right. It's just our own. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I fall. I, I often assume that like maybe they're closed minded, but most of the time I, I think that that they're, they've probably just been hurt. And so I try to accommodate that. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's a very yeah. understanding and thoughtful approach. I definitely have a poorer response typically and not in like a, but it's, I don't like lash back sure. out, but it's just like, sure, I, sometimes sure. I just don't know what to say, you know? And I, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's easy for me to speak and make myself sound good. Oftentimes my response in my own head before I'm able to answer is very poor as well. And I just need to remind myself like, Hey, you know, this person could have been very hurt and maybe I can, you know, overcome the distance by being extra, good to them you know what i mean i appreciate so, that yeah. it's good to not be defensive about everything and people are so defensive yes, yes very much today, so. so very much so yeah great conversation i love that stuff um so josh our pick of the week today's game that we will be discussing and deciding whether it goes into the infamous and famous hall of games <laughs> is donkey kong tropical freeze What made you let's let's go over quickly the reasoning for why we chose this game here real quick. You, it was this was your pick. Yeah. Um go ahead, lay it out for me. You know, Jared, I I, I love having you as, as the casual and I just I wanna get you as many experiences as I can. And I wanna throw <laughs> you at as many different surfaces as I can and just see how you react. That's the that's you know that's the goal here. So and I've I put you through the ringer, my friend. I have gotten to put I've I've stretched you. You know, like you've been yes. you've been in some places you never expected to be, and that's correct. And that's Donkey Kong is kind of along those lines. And it's it's a game that like from the outside looking in, if you know nothing about it, if you don't know anything about the history of retro studios and everything, you think it's a it's a goofy nintendo game you don't think twice about it and yeah it's it's not it's 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 donkey kong it's the gorilla that everybody knows and loves right he's got the, the goofy tie and whatnot actually not goofy i think he's he's pretty sexy in that tie personally he's got he's got a lot of drip donkey kong does you know what i'm saying <laughs> yep yeah <But> like, <laughs> that's you, one way to put it from the outside and looking into it, like you just don't think 
twice about it, you maybe you pick it up for your kid. And this is not <laughs> necessarily the most friendly game. And you don't necessarily realize that. And so just, you know, part of this whole process here, Jared, is to see how you react. On top of that, I happen to like the Donkey Kong Country games. So jumping back into it is is a plus for me. And the other thing, too, is just, you know, mixing it up. We haven't really yes. done a whole lot of platformers. I think the only right, right. true platformer we have covered has been Super Mario Odyssey. So, yes. you know, thinking just along the lines of what's a different genre from other ones that we've covered recently, this one's a little bit more traditional. Let's 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 have a go at it. So, that that yeah. was kind of my reasoning, and I apologize <laughs> for that. No. On some level. Don't even apologize. You know, um so let me ask you briefly just answer this in one word which came first the chicken or the egg the chicken okay which came first donkey kong or mario they came at the same time but as far as titles are concerned donkey kong that's correct that's exactly and i thought that was so interesting when i uh, doing a tiny little bit of reading up here on the game just before the podcast um donkey kong was actually released in 1981 and what f- was featured as the villain, Donkey Kong was the villain, and Mario was trying to rescue the princess, of course. Kind of a King Kong, kind of a vibe, obviously. And uh, Quick history, and Jared. Mario. That game was supposed to be a Popeye game, but they couldn't get the licensing. Yeah, it was supposed to be Popeye versus, um, I don't remember what the big burly dude, the sailor dude is. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. And it was supposed to be... Um, why am I blanking on these characters' names? The chick with the long arms. Is it Bruno or something? Yeah. Bruno? Brutus? Bruno, yeah, something I think like it's that. Bruno. Something. And then um, Bruno. the chick's name is something with a... Olive, I believe, or something. Olive oil, yes. Olive oil, yeah. There you go. And they, the rights didn't come through or something like that, or like they canceled or expired. And so Nintendo, in a last-ditch effort, just kind of rebranded it on their own, kind of pulling from King Kong, yeah. And you got you got Donkey Kong becoming they they named that Donkey Kong because they thought Donkey in English meant stupid, and then Kong, of course, being King Kong, um, so yeah. like, stupid monkey was kind of what they were going for. And he was yep. facing against Jumpman. He was not yep. Mario, so correct. He he didn't even have the name the moniker of Mario yet. He was simply Jumpman. And it certainly took the arcade industry by storm. Anyway, sorry. Sure. Jumped in there. No, you're good. No, that's why I kind of prompted it with that because it's interesting to me. I was thinking earlier, I was like, as I was enjoying playing this game because it's an excellent refresher, it's an excellent change of pace from Dark Souls, obviously. I mean, you're talking about 180 in direction. Um, uh, Bright, colorful, refreshing, everything like that. I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if Donkey Kong, like, I wonder if this game would have been made if Mario hadn't just dragged Donkey Kong along <laughs> in his rise rise to fame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I remember, you know, Donkey Kong has been featured in every Smash Brothers game. He's been featured in every uh, Mario Party game, uh, either as a, uh, uh, most of the time as a host or a bonus, not really a playable character as much. Um, although I think he's in a couple of them, he's a playable character, but he's in Smash Bros. He's in Mario Party. He's, he's mentioned, uh, he punches Bowser in the face in a couple of games at times. You know, he's, he's been kind of like Mario's jungle sidekick a number of times. And I was just thinking to myself while playing this game, I was like, would Donkey Kong be the monkey that he is today without the incredible, uh, popularity of Mario? And, um, you know, I remember playing Donkey Kong on the Game Boy Color when I was a little kid, dude, 
those were the times, man. Those were some good games. Yeah. What was your What was your first introduction to Donkey Kong? And also, do you think that um, this game would be where it is today without the assistance of Mario? Certainly not, to answer your second question. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think there, there's a synergy between the two franchises. Yeah. And they've, they've ebbed and flowed back and forth. But Donkey Kong was definitely left by the wayside. Retro kind of came back in and really reinvigorated the original... Um, platformer version of Donkey Kong that was birthed by Rare Studios back in the, uh, I think it was the 90s, uh, Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3, which were yep. really striking graphically at the time. And that was something that uh, Retro wanted to really capitalize on with their first game, Donkey Kong Country Returns, which is on the Wii, and then now this one, Tropical Freeze, which was first released on the Wii U and now on the Switch, re-released on the Switch. But um to be honest just to answer your your first question uh donkey kong and i go way back man uh we go way back like i, I played all kinds of ds donkey kong games i played mm-hmm. donkey kong jungle beat on the wii I, pl- I played several wii donkey kong iterations that's where i got to like go back and rediscover some of the old classics too like donkey kong country uh, which those games are very difficult you thought Tropical Freeze is hard, Jared? Just go and try and play those original Donkey Kong Country games. My goodness. But um, <laughs> actually, like in my like history of gaming, Donkey Kong 64, which is to date the only 3D outing of Donkey Kong, was like legendary to me as a kid. Mm. I mm-hmm. have so many fantastic memories of playing that game. And I, I loved it. People hate it. It's really not aged well, and people despise it to this day. But for me as a kid, I, you know, I didn't know any better. And man, I just right, I, right. I fell in love with that series. I with the with the different characters in that one. You've got like Lanky Kong and Tiny Kong, and um, of course Diddy and Donkey, and they all have different like guns and stuff. But like that was like where I really fell in love with the character and that world um, as a whole. And then, you know, I just, just over the years, it kept going. I actually, I actually watched the Donkey Kong cartoon. Did you know that there was a cartoon, Jared? No, oh, I did not. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Don't look this no. up on YouTube. It is so oh, cringe. Dear. But Oh, man. I actually remember one night we got it from the library. We got, like, the one of the seasons or whatever. And my mom was like, okay, we'll, we'll watch this, you know, over the next week or so. Like, don't worry about it tonight. We're going to go to bed. And I paid attention to where she put it. And then I woke up after everyone went to bed and I went and grabbed Donkey Kong and I went and put it on the TV and watched like 10 episodes in the middle of the night. And, <laughs> and you know, I was, I was a little kid. So like, I thought it was the best thing in the world, but yeah, man, sure. <laughs> me, me and the series go way back. And so like, I was excited to hear that Restro was going to be picking up the franchise and taking their own approach to it, uh, with the country games coming back. And I, and I'm a huge fan of 2d platformers. So it seemed like a marriage, you know, a, a fit for heaven. And so I, I love these games and, and I certainly love tropical freeze as well, but yeah, but yeah, that'd be my history. I'm, I don't know if you knew what you were getting into when you asked that question, <laughs> but that's ex- well, no, that's exactly what I was hoping for. It just kind of, I, I love to hear because you have such a rich video game past. I love to incorporate that because I like to hear about it. 
I had less of a rich video game pass, and I think that further, you know, kind of distinguishes you as the more experienced gamer and me as the casual who doesn't know what he's doing. So is this like outside of Mario Kart and Smash Bros, is this like your first Donkey Kong introduction as far as the like his own games go? No, so unfortunately, I couldn't afford the little bongo drum setup for the GameCube. Uh, right. I remember that being very popular with many of my friends uh, when GameCube was the thing uh, in my early teens. And also, too, I played the Donkey Kong, I can't remember what the title was so many years ago, on the Game Boy Color. Uh, just, just uh, one of the Donkey Kong games, can't remember. And that was a ton of fun, but I remember it being very difficult. And I remember Dixie like rotating like a helicopter with her long hair and Diddy having you know his own special thing and Donkey Kong and all that different stuff. And being like having difficulty with that game because like saving in the old days was difficult without a memory card and like you know just like it it was treacherous uh waters there so no it wasn't my first introduction but it was a good refresher i mean donkey kong is one of my favorite characters in super smash bros um just to play because he's so spammy and he's fun but no i've i found myself uh reminiscing a little bit because like when you think about donkey kong and you think about mario and for me they're so intertwined i mean if you look at you look at um you know, Mario's always launching himself down a pipe, right? And Donkey Kong is always launching himself out of a barrel. And so there's iconic things that are sure. similar, but, you know, it's unique to the series. But, like, when you look at the Tropical Freeze map and you're jumping from island to island, whereas Mario jumps from world to world, and you look at the map on the ground and you can unlock a secret level by having an alternate ending in one of the levels that you just played. And, you know, it's a little bit of a platformer, right? And although with the Tropical Freeze, you get a lot of the 3D element, which was really beautiful, but we'll get to that. Um, so, you know, play, you know, the maps are similar. They look, look similar. And obviously, you know, you got that funky Donkey Kong, you know, monkey vibes and different things like that. No, not my first, uh, uh, introduction to the game, but certainly a good refresher. I've really enjoyed it, uh, so far. It's been fun. And like I said, a definite change of pace. Oh yeah. Josh, when was the first time you played Tropical Freeze? I played it for the Wii U. I was one of the few, the fateful few that actually purchased a Wii U. So I, I played most of the games that were on it, and only I, true gamers purchased the Wii U. <laughs> well, uh, suckers purchased the Wii U. That's for sure. <laughs> there you go. But um, yeah, so I played it there. Got it back on the Switch. Played through it again on the Wii U. I I'm pretty sure I 100%ed it. So I I like wow. to do that with platformers that I really like. Um, I'm a big yeah. platformer guy, so this is just like right up my alley. Like this is hitting the sweet spot, and I and I recognize too that this isn't necessarily going to click with everyone. Like I know that you've mentioned in the past, Jared, you're not the biggest platformer guy. No, yeah, and part of that is just because I suck. But um, yeah, I and mean, there's a level of that, that there- certainly will take away from from your yeah. enjoyability of the game. <laughs> sure. That being said, and that's though. Sorry, yeah. you had a thought. No, I was just gonna say that's that's the that's the whole. You know, we explored that. How hard should a game be? When we've talked about Sekiro in the past, when we've talked about Dark Souls, and platformers are not my thing. But I found myself enjoying this game regardless. Okay. And you know, I can't wait to get into why that is. But um, go ahead, finish your thought, and then I wanted to ask you um, what was your you know overall impression of the game at the. Has the has your impression of the game changed from the Wii U to the Switch? So sure. you can finish your thought and then answer that for me if you could. I was my thought was actually going to transition to an overall impression. So sure. we can just jump into that. Just kind of give our basic, specifically we you know we've been talking the history, but specifically for Tropical Freeze, what's our reaction to it? And when I first played through this game, 
I would have told you, Jared, that this is one of the best platformers ever made. And mm. I think to this day, I'd still say it's it's one of the best platformers on the Nintendo Switch. You might be able to put it even in second place, maybe third place. Uh, Shovel Knight's certainly above it. <laughs> so Shovel Knight's got to have a place there somewhere. Um, but otherwise, like it's, it's, it's a very good, high-quality platformer if you know anything about platformers. And if you've played a lot of them, this one is going to fulfill everything that you want from it and surprise you and challenge you as well as it goes. Um, but that has kind of changed over the years. I think with playing games over again, that certainly helps you to get another perspective on it. And I'm going to say it. I think that this one, Tropical Freeze, is of the two retro games, it's the less inventive and the less original. So mm. another bit of history, but Retro Studios is one of Nintendo's only American studios. They're based in Texas. Uh, they did the Metroid Prime series, those 3D Metroid games on the GameCube and Wii, and they're they're loved for that. Of course, they, they got a ton of critical acclaim because of that and made a name for themselves in the industry, and they switched yep. gears hardcore in taking up Donkey Kong. And, you know, at the time, Nintendo was like, you know, we need a, a group to to take Donkey Kong and figure out what we're going to do with him. We've kind of done some hokey, you know, you had the bongo drums, very um, gimmicky stuff going on with the series. But they hadn't ever really gotten back to the roots of Donkey Kong Country, which were some tough-as-nails platformers with their own personality. And yeah. Retro, you know, raised their hand and said, let's, let's do it. We want to do this. And with Returns, which was their first one, of course, Donkey Kong Country Returns, of course, after 20 or so years, uh, they just, they had so many beautiful uh, ideas that were realized in the game. And, and Tropical Freeze is the follow-up, hones a lot of that, but to be honest, I think Returns is the better game, having played both of them multiple times. And because of that, this one has kind of, and especially playing through it again this time, I think that solidified it a little bit in my mind, and it's it's dropped down in what I would consider um, S tier platformers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Returns edges it out in that way. Nonetheless, Tropical Freeze still a fantastic, fantastic platformer and a good video game. It's it's a it's a really good video game. So yeah, I was when you suggested it to me, I had never actually heard of tropical freeze before i kind of um uh assumed that donkey kong was a a little bit on the shelf just kind of making cameos in mario games etc and i guess that's kind of technically true i I mean what what what's been the donkey kong game that's come out um since the wii u has there been one no i know i none right that's what i'm yeah that's so i guess my impression was kind of correct just because tropical freeze isn't going to make headlines because it's a Mm re-release right for the switch from the wii u so that makes sense but i was surprised like when i picked up this game i was like man i'm i'm really enjoying this you know it's it's fresh it's new for me and uh again you know surprised by the difficulty of it too now this is where you know my my casualness comes into it and we can (laughs) we can jump into gameplay a little bit here there's a funky kong character right like funky kong i don't know if he's always been used this way but he is the casual version of donkey kong which he's like, the new, literally he's new he's... to the switch so he was not, okay he was right. not in the original wii u release 
Well, I am so grateful that he was the switch because <laughs> you're you're about to uh, you know hear what I'm about to say, which is I relied on him a lot. You know, I mm-hmm. I was tired, Josh. I like tired from taking you know so many deaths in Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted something that I could truly, purely enjoy without really any stress at all, and I found myself loving the fact that I could clear an entire island in under an hour with Funky Kong. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean 100% it. I just mean clear it, like, you know, beat the boss at the end, etc. And I was pleasantly surprised at the perfect balance for me as a casual. Playing Funky Kong um, takes a lot of the technicality out of the game. It gives you a double jump, and it, um, it uh, gives you a lot of grace with falling on sharp objects. Donkey Kong has one jump, and he's, it's unforgiving. Um, and Funky Kong has five hearts, et cetera. So the gameplay is, you know, different, definitely. And I just found myself able to relax, kick back, you know, have a drink and play my game. And it was, it was really, really refreshing. And I was surprised at the perfect balance between challenge and the, the map difficulty scaling so nicely, just a very smooth scale from, uh, you know, one, one dash one to one dash five, an excellent scaling and difficulty. And then a very, um, pleasantly challenging boss fight. And it breaks away from the typical Mario formula where it's like three jumps on the head and they're dead, right? Whereas this game has multiple tiers of, of difficulty. Um, the bosses change tactics halfway through. Well, a couple times through, actually. Yes, and, they're all on, uh, a, on I just, three stages, essentially, of the yep. same boss, yeah. Yeah, and a great variety in the boss fights. So the gameplay itself, you know, the simple jump and the grab and the swing and the, the default controls being, you, you know, you can hold the grab button with the, the triggers and, and then jump from there and just very fluid. I was honestly very impressed uh, and very pleased with how much I was enjoying myself just with the pure gameplay. <clears throat> Pardon me, of it. That's good. Yeah, Josh, I think, I think. Is that what makes it so such a high level game in your mind is that smoothness of gameplay? Yes. Oh, absolutely. The, the, um. Just the way that the physics work, the way uh-huh. that the, the 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 controls, like the the actual like you, when you're moving Donkey Kong, he is hefty like he should be. Uh, yep. His jumps are different from. He's not Mario, and and you can yes. tell that there is some nuance. There is some like strong development skills behind this thing. This is not a cheap platformer. Like the physics work, they're I would say they're they're actually perfect in both the original returns and this one. They're they're not what you would expect, but they are actually perfect for what Donkey Kong should be. There's like a slight sliding, you know, that happens um, yep, when you yep. like turn around. Like you can't just jump willy nilly. Yeah. He's a gorilla. He and he yes, feels exactly. like a gorilla, and so you have to like keep that in mind. And Funky is a fantastic compromise. And that's something that certainly in the Switch version they did that I think is of benefit. And a lot of people made fun of Funky Kong when he was first announced, like when they first said that this is going to be coming to the Switch and they're like, oh, so brand new Funky mode. And, you know, when you boot up the game, it says, like, do you want to play with Funky or do you want to play with the classic version? And, of course, I go for classic. I don't think I've played as Funky at all in any of my playthroughs through this game. But that's because I'm a glutton for punishment and I want to hone that precision of jumps. Like and and Donkey Kong's not easy if he doesn't have I mean you mentioned it like when when he's on his own he's kind of like got one jump he's very heavy he fall very quickly and if you're not utilizing the roll or if you don't have a companion you're gonna die pretty easily as just Donkey Kong and yeah. it, it'll punish you for that and so 
funky is this really great alternative for people that are like, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm a 12 year old kid. I've never played a platformer in my life. And I got Donkey Kong cause I like the character and this game is kicking my butt. So yeah, let's, let's throw in funky Kong as like a really great alternative. And I think it's a very graceful alternative as well compared to a lot of Nintendo's other ideas and other games. Like in some, like in some of the Mario games, like they'll just give you like a uh, an infinite star or like an infinite yep. leaf, and then you just become yeah. like a god. <laughs> you just run yeah, through the level, exactly. yeah, and you can beat right. it like that. And it's like okay, great. Actually, in I think New Super Mario Bros. Wii, they literally just had a, a version where you could play as Luigi, and it would just play the game for you. You could turn. I don't remember what the mode was called. I'd have to look up what it was called. But you could literally activate a mode where you put the controller down and the computer went through the level for you. And that's kind of, I don't know if I'd say cheap, but it's just not a graceful way of handling it. And Funky is a really great way of just like, okay, yes, we're going to give you more hits. We're going to give you a nice more of like a floaty character who can make some of those more difficult jumps. And we're not going to just punish you and make this whole game inaccessible to a casual. And so I appreciate that and that's that implementation. Of course, I didn't use it, but it's there. And I, and I think it's good that it is. And that's something yeah. like looking at Sekiro and playing through that. That game does not have an easy mode. It does not have a casual right. mode. There is no right. way. It's inaccessible. It's very inaccessible. And if you have accessibility issues like if you have kind of like and i'm not trying to like be cruel or anything but if if you have like some sort of deformity or something that makes it hard for you to play a game sekiro is not going to compensate for you and that kind of sucks it does it's a bummer and and if you like and you know people online are like oh well get good you know um yeah but that's just not necessarily the best answer to everything and so right nintendo has put into this game an answer and and I appreciate that. And I, I I think personally, I don't think it necessarily takes away from the experience, but I think there's a little bit more of a reward that I get out of these games by playing as just Donkey Kong, you know, and just trying to get that roll jump down just right and paying close attention yep. to how these levels unfold and dying multiple times in order to learn. Like that's something I enjoy. But if you're not yeah. f- about that, then you know, this this game has options for you, and I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, too, is that you're exactly right. The balance between what's, quote-unquote, the casual mode and the, the classic mode is actually, like... So Funky Kong has a couple pros. Like, I mentioned the double jump, right? But he also can breathe underwater, and he can't actually, like, breathe. He's got a snorkel, so, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> um, but, but he can, quote-unquote, breathe underwater. Oh, so he so doesn't have, like, a meter. Correct. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So he doesn't have a companion either. So the game is simplified. It's not necessarily made easier because you still need precision. Mm-hmm. You still can't jump on top of a character with a spiky helmet. You still can't do that. But what it will allow you to do is hover in the air until they walk past, and then you can drop down and then do the roll, right? But it also, because of the double jump and because of the uh, breath meter, not having a breath meter underwater, it speeds up the game. So sure. you can actually beat the levels quicker with Funky Kong um, and and just kind of speed through and go as fast as you can. And if you wanted to play that way too, you know, it's a it's a clean, quick alternative instead of like, you know, um, just grinding through, trying to get all the puzzle pieces, trying to get all the whatever. 
And I found that interesting is like, instead of making the game too easy, like it's not playing for you, instead it's allowing you a, a different way of playing, which is almost an entirely different experience. Obviously not, you know, a ton, but significant enough that it feels, you know, uniquely different. And I thought that was cool. I was like, that really strikes the balance between playing classic mode and playing casual mode. And I didn't feel like I was sacrificing. I didn't feel like less of a player. I just felt like I was playing a little different. And that was important. You know, it's not like, oh, massage my ego. Tell me I'm amazing. But it was <laughs> it was more like, again, you, you play casual mode and most of the time you're worried it's going to be too easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I still found myself like struggling a good bit, especially with bosses and whatever else, mm-hmm. even with Funky Kong. It doesn't take away from the game's richness and its, uh, and its difficulty for sure. That's so, good. That's good to hear. Yeah. And the, the yeah. original game too has has helps built into it. You know, you can go visit Funky. Can you visit Funky as Funky? That's a good question. I don't know. Because he I, has I like his little I, shop, right? Yeah. When you're Funky and you visit a little shop, there's like a bird who has the same glasses that he does and he sells you stuff. Okay. Yeah. The bird's there, I think. Well, there's a green bird that'll help you find items. But anyway, you, you can go to Funky's store in Classic, and I guess in Funky as well, if you're not playing it specifically Funky in that level, um, and buy helps. So there's like a, mm-hmm. a balloon that'll pull you out of a pit. So you have that one option to try again, and so on and so forth. There's like a heart that'll give you like plus five extra hearts. Yeah. Because you're yeah. typically limited to two hits, right? And so now you have way more. Which I remember when I first played through this game and Returns, those things actually, towards the end of the game, were, were pretty crucial for me. Like, now, I've played these games enough, I can pretty much just breeze right through them. Um, and I that's pretty much what I did with this run-through. And it was it was a lot of fun, yeah. but I'm, I'm not struggling as much with it because a lot of it's familiar and I, I've got a good feel right. for it. But, like... Those proved integral. Like the last boss, I know, Jared, you say you didn't get to the final world, but man, that last boss in this game in particular is going to test you and is going to feel long and grueling. And if you don't have those jumps down precisely, you're going to miss your opportunities and go through the whole cycle again. And so having something like a boost of hearts helps a ton and so it has little things like that built into it that it's not it's not just throwing you out there and leaving you on your own like uh dark souls <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's trying yeah. to help you out in any way that it can yeah i i really um you know the the whole crux of the game is that you know tropical freeze right like it's a it's jungle yeah uh donkey donkey kong's home and then a, a you know uh uh um What's the word I'm looking for? A warmongering penguin. Yeah, like Vikings and a yeah, and a yeah, big Viking old, penguins. Um, <laughs> what is he? A walrus. Yeah. He's the the man. Yeah. The main big bad is a is a walrus dude. There you go. So he he comes to town and he freezes. You know these islands that you have to then liberate it as well. And you know um, that's the whole premise of it. And then you have to obviously he's the final boss, etc. And you know it's a it's a silly premise, but like the world design that comes from that having a, like a half frozen in some places, and then you know Donkey Kong's famous too. Well, Mario as well. You know Nintendo likes to do this. Have underwater levels. Mm-hmm. They have levels that incorporate a lot of fire. You know, typically you see that in World Eight or Nine with the uh, Mario games, etc. And so you know, I was really pleased with 
the way that this game was presented. We talked about gameplay, but the world itself that they presented was also just as refreshing. You mentioned the final boss, obviously the walrus and everything. And I love the juxtaposition that they had with what would be considered, you know, tropics, the jungle, uh, the this, the that, you know. um, And and I really love the world design, Josh. Is that another thing that stands out to you about this game? 100%. Yeah, and we can we can spend a whole lot of time talking about world design. Uh, jumping back quickly, just my only note on story is that I appreciate that they mixed up the story for Donkey Kong just a tiny bit. Like he's kind of pushed out of his own home, but like typically Donkey Kong is like chasing someone who stole his bananas. You know, it's like someone's yes. like, oh, yes. they stole my banana stash. So it's a little yeah. different from that. Um, and then this game also too builds into the fact that returns came before it, which of course Jared you wouldn't know. But when you get to the sixth world, you're back to Donkey Kong's Island, and the first game Donkey Kong Country Returns took place entirely on Donkey Kong Island, and so I see, each okay. of the levels of World Six in Tropical Freeze are homages to the worlds of the first game. And so mm. they reference it in fantastic ways. It's just a really nice, like, tying the two games together and what that first game was and a lot of the inventive ideas of the first one. But then in this one, you're going through those areas again, but they're frozen over. And yep. they, it's just like a whole new dynamic plays out. And to be honest, the the last world is by far the best one in this game, uh, just from sheer cinematics, from level design, from... Uh, just the perfect balance of difficulty and accessibility and i absolutely loved it for that but the whole all of these different islands and the whole world in general is very very well presented and just just well designed like there's there's no yeah way to put i mean it. you you have tropical freeze right so the tropics and and you know you think about the tropic of cancer the tropic of capricorn you know, as they cut through and then you got all the the uh, hot, muggy areas in between, you think of jungle, right? You think of Brazil, Amazon, and there's a level like that. And then you think of the savanna, too, with uh, zebras and, and lions and tigers and bears and all that stuff, et cetera. Oh, my. And, you know, it's it, it's got a lot of variety. And then it's got some underwater levels. Of course, you think of tropics. You think of, you know, eels and squid and octopi, et cetera. And I was just thrilled every time I jumped to a new island, seeing the theme, seeing yeah. the the bright colors, seeing the the unique world design, seeing the level of the waterfalls incorporated into the map, simple stuff like that. Really, just you, there's a lot of love in games like that. There's a lot of imagination and going wild and stuff. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed every single world. When I play Mario, the world that always bogged me down the most and annoyed me the most, I think of like Super Mario Brothers um, for the Wii that you could play with your your friends. Yeah. I can't remember. But you could play with Toad and, and Luigi in a party, like a group. And then, you know, if you died, you'd be in a bubble and your friends had to pop you and you'd shake the <laughs> controller, et cetera. Yeah. Tons of fun. I, I think of that. I think of Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, maybe. But anyway, um, the world that always bothered me so much was like um, the the rock world. Mm. It just annoyed me. I just It always just annoyed me. It was such a pain <laughs> in the butt. Whereas the jungle world with the, the spiky caterpillars or whatever else, like that was super fun. And world one is obviously great. And world two or three, which is typically the ice world, was so much fun. The dry desert world is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. you know. But but there's one or two levels in Mario that I was just like, not a fan. You know, just yeah. boring. Let me get through this. Let me go beat Bowser. But with Donkey Kong, just pleasantly surprised. There's not a single world that I disliked. Um, and it reminded me a little bit 
you know, because we'd recently, the most recent Donkey Kong game that I played was the DLC add-on for Mario Rabbids. Sure, Which yeah. we talked about, you know, and, and seeing some of that recreated in Donkey Kong's own home territory and his own version, his own art style, which is, you know, differs, differs slightly. But that bright, vast colors and those the depths of the 3D animations and the maps that they set out, I was just blown away that there wasn't a single thing I disliked about this game in, pre- in, in presentation. Mm-hmm. And that's juxtaposed a little bit with a game like... Um, I want to be careful here because I don't want to make a apples to oranges comparison, but like, you know, Axiom Verge, there's levels, but because the art style is like, maybe that's not the best example because there's a decent amount of variety, but like, Hollow I know what Knight, you mean though. Instance. Like they, I couldn't yeah. necessarily name any of them, you know? Yeah. Like they, they all exactly. kind of blend together by the end of the, exactly. Like they stand out within it, but like by the end, there's sure. not like distinct biomes yes. necessarily. Yes, whereas the variety that comes with Mario games and the variety that comes with this game, Donkey Kong and Tropical Freeze, is, I mean, great. It's fantastic. It's just broad. There's, there's so much thought and creativity. What is? What are the limits? What are the boundaries that we can push this concept of a Tropical Freeze to? And I was just very pleased with the execution. Yeah. I, it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful all the way around. Yeah, they... Uh, and that's... Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Luigi's Mansion, too. Like, that sure. level of creativity. Yeah. I was like, this is great. This is a good return for me. That's partially why it was so refreshing. I was like, I feel like I'm back in Luigi's Mansion, tropical version, but that same imagination, that same fun, and that same pizzazz. I really enjoyed it. In lesser hands, a Donkey Kong game would feel one note. It'd feel kind of generic. Yep. But yes. Retro comes in, and they take their top tier design studio and just like they they take what seems like a very simple premise a simple world and they just fully realize it and they stuff it with everything they can possibly think of and they try to actually make it feel like a living breathing world like you're actually on an adventure through it and in that way i think it actually does it better than most mario games Aside from maybe, you know, the 3D ones, you know, Odyssey or... Sure, right, or, um, right, right. Or um, Galaxy. Yep. Like most yep. of the 2D ones, I'd say these Donkey Kong games trump them just in yeah. world design for sure. And and that just speaks yeah. to the fact that this developer said, hey, we're, we're given a series that maybe can be easy, maybe generic, and we're not going sure. to do this, ha- like, laxadaisically we're not gonna just go in right. with a lukewarm attitude and and right you know half booty cheek it <laughs> we're gonna do our best yeah, exactly and i it pays off in the design and in the world the what was your favorite so not talking levels necessarily but what was your favorite like world favorite island in general and the, that theme yeah the savannah the burning savannah yes. um that was so much fun i just was like that's brilliant that's so brilliant. The way they incorporated like zebras and and giraffes and like still needing um, uh, Funky Kong or Donkey Kong whoever to like grab onto a pole to be able to jump back and forth and like the 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 fire brush fires being a big part of the a yes. lot of those levels. Like I really enjoyed that. I thought that was so creative. Those are a lot of ideas that I had never thought of before. That I you know when you think of a Mario game, you've just kind of got this idea. It's going to be zany, wacky, funky. And, and it's going to be all these things with the Donkey Kong. You have less of an expectation because the, the history goes back further. The recent history is more sparse. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, um, you know, and, and two, like, 
if I could just make a comment, like my favorite was the Savannah, but like I say that because I was surprised by how much I liked it. And the reason I was so surprised was because this is what happens when you take like kind of a, a B tier premise. Well, I should say a tier. Let's assume Mario's the S tier of Nintendo, right? Mario's the S tier. And then underneath it, you got Luigi's mansion underneath it. You got Donkey Kong underneath it. You have Bowser's fury toad, uh, toad, um, what's the word? Um, Captain Toad. Toad, Captain Toad. That's what I was trying to say. Underneath it, you have these like so, so ideas. And with this Donkey Kong game, I felt like the, the creativity and the imagination with both and the excellence with both gameplay was what, what happens when you give someone extraordinary, something generic. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I thought it was excellent. How about you, Josh? What was your, tell me what your favorite, did you prefer to play with Dixie or Diddy or the, uh, old, old Kong or, or the grumpy Kong or did you play? Um, well, we're kind of jumping back and forth between gameplay and world here. Um, which is fine. We can kind of jump back and forth, but, uh, the characters are definitely a little bit more on the gameplay side of things. Just to speak to that real quick. I think, this is a Dixie game. <laughs> like sure. once you, and I know you played mostly as funky. So like maybe you didn't experience this as much, but once you like realize how crucial Dixie's little hair flip up is, cause it's essentially yep. a second jump, which Donkey Kong does not have. Um, right. And in the, in returns, you only have Diddy Kong. You don't have the other two. So, you're stuck with Diddy, which is used perfectly well, and he's certainly helpful because he adds basically an extra little float. So if you jump and slightly misjudge where that platform was, you can hold Diddy, and he'll like keep you floating in the air a little bit. But Dixie takes that a step further because her hair flips you up. So uh -huh. if you miss a platform, you can actually just jump back up to it, whereas if you miss it with Diddy, you're going to float underneath it and then die. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, Dixie, I think, is by far the the most valuable. Like, anytime I came across a barrel in a game, or in a level, I would just wait until it got to the Dixie um, identifier, and then I'd chuck it and, yep. and open up Dixie. So, like, I played 99% of this game with Dixie, except for when it forced me to use Diddy, because every now and then they'll just assign one of them to that level. And then I yep. would play Cranky whenever I needed to, because <laughs> he hops yeah. on spikes. He's got a um, Scrooge McDuck from the DuckTales game from the SNES, uh, where he kind of like jump on their cane, get a slightly higher jump. He has, which I guess like in a in an attempt to make him different from the other two works fine. But when it comes yeah. down to it, practically Dixie Kong is is the clear choice. So yeah, I gotta did go play. With Dixie. I did. Yeah, I did play as both. Uh, I played, um, and by that I mean I played both Funky and Donkey Kong. So I did play each world. I played a little bit of both, actually. Okay, okay. Um, sometimes I'd beat a level with Donkey Kong. Sometimes I'd beat one with Funky. Um, but um, I, I just, I enjoyed the fact that if a level was kicking my butt, I could switch over to Funky, which by the end of the game felt more natural to me because of that double jump. Um, but anyway, no, I'd certainly agree with you. I found Diddy to be a little redundant, especially like if I was having trouble with something, I was like, I'd rather not play with Diddy. I'd rather just play funky right. because his, his double jump makes Diddy's floating and also funky floats on his surfboard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly I could see how it, right. funky would make right. Diddy obsolete. Yeah. So it, that to me was, um, something, you know, that was my mindset on it. So I totally agree with you. Dixie would be the best. I didn't really figure out how the best way to use uh, Grumpy Kong was. 
just because his is a little bit more unique. Um, it's got a, a couple different uses. It's not so simple. So I didn't really get the technique for him down, but I did play as both, and I, I did agree with you with that. Dixie is for sure the the better character there. Well, um, and Cranky, which, too. Like and You called him Grumpy, but I just want to clarify his name. is Cranky. Sorry, pardon. But he, he's requires a little bit more nuance because you have to jump and then hold right. A again for his little cane to right. pop out underneath you. So you have to, like actually be trying like with the other two you can kind of like make a mistake and like oh whoops and kind of like help yourself right. out uh but with him you have to be like thinking through it and i appreciate that they they actually build into these levels like unique character secrets especially where like you yeah. cannot f- find the secret entrance or the secret exit and get to the extra level on the map unless you have cranky kong um so like they use the characters in that way, like they use their move sets in crucial ways, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then when it comes down to it, just practically Dixie is is the way to go, especially when it comes to underwater too. And I hate underwater. Oh my goodness, I hate any yeah. any video game that does underwater. And unfortunately, Donkey <laughs> Kong is no exception. But like Dixie right. is so vital when it comes to those underwater levels. I don't know how funky yeah. controls. I mean, obviously you can just breathe for continually, but like Dixie makes it so much more smooth and yeah. she's actually like, you need her to find a lot of secrets in underwater levels. So she just, to me seemed like very obvious, like very obviously the correct choice of the three. Yeah. So it really, to be honest, you could have gotten rid of the other two and this game would have sure. been just the same for me. Yeah, yeah. So talking no, I, about world again, just going back to that, my favorite world, like island, would have to go to the last one, Donkey Kong Island. But I do want to give a shout out to um, the second one, mm-hmm. which is like the, it was like a fall aesthetic. There's like mountains, yeah. there's like owl shaped mountains. Yeah, falling falling leaves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like it looks like the, you know, all the trees are turning brown and they just do like a really cool like that's a that's just a unique vibe. Like games don't yeah. p- pull that as a biome. You know, like it reminded about me Mario, of the you don't uh, see that. Right. It reminded me the only other place that I could, the place that comes to mind when I think of that is the maple tree uh map in Mario Kart. Um, Absolutely. You have, no, you're not you're yeah. not wrong. And I don't even know where that comes from. I, I don't know if that's a throwback. It's just a, a bonus level design. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that in a Mario game. But yeah, no, that's a beautiful level. You're not wrong. It is from Galaxy. I can I can. Oh, confirm. okay, okay, okay. Because Galaxy has a couple of honeybee levels where... Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. you're totally and right. one of them is like an autumn-themed. So yeah, that's that's where that comes from throwback right there (laughs) yeah what did you think so just wrapping up gameplay here jared and we can we can talk a little bit more world design what did you think of the just the feel like the way the game controlled i know we talked about it a little bit but like did you did you find it um cruel at times like did you find it hard to adjust to hard to adjust to yes but not cruel every time i died i was like that's fair that's fair. I, m- I messed up. I missed the platform. I <laughs> yeah. did this wrong. I yeah. jumped too early. I jumped too late. And that, I that's something this game does. Is yeah. It is like, you screwed that up. It doesn't feel yeah. necessarily... I mean, in, in some of the like the, the rocket levels, it can kind of mm-hmm. feel like trial and error. But for the most sure. part, you kind of know, yep, I moved the stick a little too far in that direction. Yeah. I Yeah. And I love the variety between like just... 
you know, you're playing as your character and then you're getting through the level and then other levels are pure. You have to kind of play a, um, what's Subway Sam? What's the uh, Subway Surfer kind of a version almost, you know? Uh, you're jumping between riding, you know, mine, mine cart, uh, tracks or or a, a rocket barrel or something like that you know a variety mix it up really good um and i really enjoyed that mix up there too um but no every single time i died bar none i thought no that was fair you know it's a platformer yeah i'm, I'm going to miss i'm gonna miss my timing i'm gonna get wrong you know i'm gonna get smacked or something and every single time i was like no that's fair i, I broke the physics or i tried to break a rule here mm-hmm. and it didn't let me so no i thought the game was incredibly fair yeah it sticks to those rules really well and that's another thing like that i think is is great about this game is that it gives you a very basic move set donkey kong mm-hmm. can grab mm-hmm. and he can roll and he can ground yep. pound and then in yep. each level they kind of like play with that in little ways so like he'll grip onto vines and you can kind of like grip that or you can like in the the um, safari level where it catches on fire, they introduce little like water berries and you can grip the water berries and put out fires throughout the level yep. and little things like that. And so and then a couple of the enemies, you have to like ground pound before you can roll into them. And so it's it's simple, but they utilize it in a lot of interesting ways. And and I appreciate that. And again, it requires p- precision, um, but it, it rewards that as well. Uh, another, another quick thought about gameplay, Jared. What did you think of just the the exploration, the secrets that are built into this, and the collectibles that you have to find? Did you yeah, find that thought, rewarding? Yeah, I did. And I I also got a little frustrated too. Um I <laughs> because I would like go through and I'm like, "Dang, I must have got all them puzzle pieces, right?" And then <laughs> I I get to the end of the level, I'm like missing one or two. I was like, "What? I I explored that whole level from bottom to top. Yes. There's no way I missed, but I did, sure enough." And uh, you know, yeah, I found that very rewarding. I I again, clever use of background against false walls of of hidden behind things, mm-hmm. little indicators here and there that if you're paying attention, you'll see them. If you're not at the right angle or if you're heading the wrong direction and, you know, there's a, the map will take up, you know, 120% of your screen. So if you're too far to one side, you'll miss the secret entrance on the other side of the screen, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a little, you know what I mean? Like it's a little too zoomed in. So you got to be careful or else yeah. you'll miss the left hat. Right. Things like that. Yeah. You have to be um, very observant. And yep. you it rewards that, which is great. Like that's that's something yeah. I think good video games do is it rewards yes. people who are actually thinking while they're playing. Um, yes and, and this does that incredibly well that's why i, I do want to make a little it, it's hard to compare them because they're two totally different types of games but like for instance without the online play of dark souls you are going to walk past the fire uh the fire the bonfire pardon me you're going to walk past the bonfire that's just outside the crest of artorias mm. that goes in the garden and you're going to go to the moonlight butterfly without having that second bonfire between um between um Andre the Blacksmith and the Moonlight Butterfly, which is behind that hidden wall, right? You're going to miss it because it doesn't occur to you to roll through walls. Like, it doesn't tutorial that for you. You're used to fog walls and things that you can't roll through and hard objects. This game 
if you see something suspicious, there is guaranteed to be something behind an invisible wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not trolling you. Like, it is It is hidden. And if you see something that's a little indicator, like, something's weird there, you're going to be rewarded. And I, and I think that's probably what you meant. But, like, I, re- I just remember being really frustrated that I felt like I had to roll against every wall in the map of Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah. Because, the, you know, who knows where a hidden wall could be. Whereas Donkey Kong... It's excellently laid out. Like, oh, oh, there's a little banana here. I need to follow that. You know, there is something yep. there. It's not just trolling me. And that was really refreshing. Coming from Dark Souls to this game, it's just so cohesive of a package, the exploration within the confines of a 2D platformer, you know, single direction game, you know, not 3D. It's it's excellent. I just, I really enjoyed that. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, and the puzzle pieces, like, are honestly kind of for the hardcore, like, Yes, and they—they only—I mean, they—I say they only, but like it is—it is cool if you like the game. But they give you concept art and music, so like you're not getting anything substantial from it. But there are other secrets. You can find secret exits that will take you to a whole new level and a whole new, you know, inventive idea. And that's the—that's the other thing about levels about this game is that like each one is its own. Like you have the island, right? That's a theme, but then each level has just like this really awesome premise that they bring to the top of its potential, and so it rewards exploration that way. And the the level of secret hunting is like super mario world levels for like for me like star world in the snes super mario game is Mm -hmm. so cool to find and donkey kong has that like it it actually gives you that same feeling and if you're not all about the puzzle pieces and collecting all nine of them that are really ridiculously hidden in some of these levels you've got the kong letters which are like going to naturally come across your path and they require just yeah. a little bit of precision kind of going out of the yep. way yep. but you're rewarded with that as well and so it's got like on the casual side of things and on the hardcore side of things and kind of appeases yes. everyone in that way and i, I really appreciate that yes. and then the other thing that i wanted to say about secrets is that it's rewarding your curiosity, but it also rewards you for thinking against your instincts. There's a lot of times, certainly in like the minecart levels where you like are instinctively going to jump, but it the the level basically is is telling you, like it's it's telegraphing to you to jump, and then when you don't do it, it rewards you with a secret. Yes, and it's like yes. you went against your instincts. Very good. Here's a puzzle piece. You know. Yes. And yep. And I really appreciate that because it, it does it mixes things up in some really fun fun ways. And so the secrets in this game yeah. are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's that's one of the things with Mario games, and we we made this uh, gripe with Mario and Rabbids game. It's like you you explore the edges of this really kind of hard, easy to get lost in, hard to grasp map. And you're rewarded with concept art. That's kind of lame. And Donkey Kong, you know, it kind of falls into that. And it's more for like, if you want to do that, it's because you're a completionist. It's not because you're in it for the reward. It's because you like that percentage sign next to that profile. You know what I mean? Like that's that's why you're doing it. That's yeah. What your well, and that's is, which is along those right. lines. Like it's all optional, right? Right. But it's going right. to reward you. And on top of that, it's actually fun to do. Like when you're like, oh, yeah. that's a secret wall over there. And then you figure out how to jump up to it. You're like, oh, yeah, I was right. And even though you don't mm-hmm. care so much about what that puzzle piece entails, you still feel good. Mm-hmm. And you had a good mm-hmm. time getting it. Whereas I think in 
uh, Mario plus Rabbids, like you have to solve some really annoying puzzle, <laughs> and then yeah. you get the thing. And you're like, all right, whatever. Uh, right. So it's slightly different in that way, and I appreciate that as yeah, well. It's dopa- dopamine with extra steps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I I did enjoy that, and I, you made a good point uh, that I would just like to echo is that you, the difficulty in completion, completing each level, is tiered. So you have the letters, which are fairly easy to get, but they also take a little bit of skill and precision, like you right. mentioned. Then there's the puzzle pieces, and then there's additionally the secret entrances and exits that allow you to go to different levels. So you're exactly right. It's got all kinds of um, you know ways to 100% the game, and uh, yeah, it's it's really rewarding. Oh um, yeah, and if I you want to re- 100% this game, man, oh my goodness, Jared, did you try any of the secret temple levels in each world? Secret temple, secret temple level. What do you so, mean? So if you get all the Kong letters in every level and every level in a world, then you unlock a secret temple that's on the map. No, no, because I never did that. There was always like one level that I was missing, like an O or a G and you know man. what I mean? Like once you start I, I did to Kong, really, yeah. Once you start to really try to 100% this game, it just rewards you more and more for going for that 100%. But at the same time, it's punishing you because that's, <laughs> that's where it's like, you know man versus mouse like it yeah it knows that the people that are going to try to 100 percent it are the hardcore so it rewards the hardcore with more pain <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's like right. a good teacher like a good teacher rewards a, a smart student with an even more difficult question and right. it does that with these temple levels and they are some of the most like intense grueling sweaty heartbreaking platforming levels you will ever play in a video game (laughs) and each of them even back in world one like the world one secret temple will wipe the floor with you and you will die 30 to 100 times and it is it is just like brutal but it's for those people who want that level of brutality and it's just it's it's post-game content it's a part of the game that's like okay yeah if you want that it's not for the faint of heart but it's here for those that actually do want to achieve that. And then after that, if you defeat all the secret temple levels, then it unlocks world seven, which has three of the like most cruel and like most sadistic and sadistic. I said sadistic, but sadistic sadistic. I'm having a hard time saying this word. (laughs) It it sucks. It's painful and it loves pain. Right? So that's the concept I'm trying to go for here. But like those levels are man. Oh my goodness. The world seven levels, but it's all there is what I'm trying to say. Like it's all, it's going to reward you over and over if that's what you want. And if you don't want that, great. It's optional. If you just want to have a little bit of fun with this, you got funky Kong, you've got the shop, blaze through these levels get to the end defeat that big bad and have a good time with it along the way Uh, but if you want to go that extra mile it's all there for you to attack and i appreciate that for sure yeah so josh do you have any major gripes with the game hmm i say like one thing that really annoys me there's okay so i do have a few things listed here but uh one of the things that like just like personally annoys me is that it's it's pretty much absolutely impossible to get all of the collectibles on your first run no matter how thorough you are because they're just that well hidden so you you will inevitably have to play through a level again and certainly with secret exits you'll get to the point and you'll find the path to get to the secret exit but uh oh, lo and behold, you need Dixie Kong. 
and you don't yeah. have Dixie Kong with you. And so you're like, oh, so you have to go all the way out of the level, play through the whole thing again. Hopefully you don't lose Dixie Kong along the way and then you can get that secret exit or whatever. Um, yeah. So that that's kind of a gripe. Um, and per- perfect example was actually the first level in the game. I like booted this game back up. It's been a couple years. And I was like, let's go. We're playing tropical freeze again. And I was like, I'm going to be thorough. I'm going to collect all the puzzle pieces. And I played through the first level and I got like six out of the seven puzzle pieces. And I was like, what? I yeah. was th- as thorough as I possibly could have been. There is yep. no way I missed a puzzle piece, you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of annoying at the same time. It's also cool, I guess. Uh, but that's certainly a gripe. Did you have any specific gripes before I get to the rest of these? Yeah, two. And one was exactly that. It's like, I felt like even in world one, I was like, there's, I can't a hundred percent a level, like not even the first level. Like you're telling me I seriously missed a puzzle piece at the first level. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So that was, that was a little annoying. It's like, I can't get the Kong and the puzzle pieces or I'm missing something or whatever else. And, and that was, you know, I, I didn't quite enjoy that. And and the other thing was, I'm going to bring it up as a big point, but like, I don't, I, I hate to say this because I don't, because value is subjective, but I just didn't feel like this was a $60 game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's $59.99 and I just, it's a Donkey Kong, you know, platformer and donkey kong's not mario like if this was even just ten dollars less it was 49.99 i would not be bringing this up but i just don't feel like like it's good yes but it's not that iconic like i mean it's iconic but you know what i mean like it's not brand it's not the flagship of nintendo i feel like there needs to be more tier like if you're gonna sell me a mario game for 59.99 you should be selling me a donkey kong game for 55 or 49 or 39 or like Luigi's Mansion should have been 49. It shouldn't have been 59.99. And I get maybe that's picking apples or or what's the word? Uh being nitpicky, that's what I was trying to say. I don't know where I got picking apples. From. <laughs> but like being nitpicky when it should be, but I just felt like I was like mm, I like the game. I'm enjoying it. It's a great respite from Dark Souls. I'm not a platformer person myself. I just feel like you're really you're not being humble enough if you really believe that this game is worth sixty dollars. Yeah. I feel like it should be down to forty nine ninety nine. It's really like max where I'd be willing to pay it. Is that a dumb gripe, Josh? You can tell me if that's a dumb. You gripe. know, I don't know. I think it's not. Um, I don't know. It's it's not a gripe that's like realistic with Nintendo because right. their right. Kirby Star Allies game is sixty dollars. Exactly, and so I know Arms it's a Nintendo is $60, and right. Splatoon exactly. is $60, and yeah. compared to all of those Nintendo games, Donkey Kong is way more valuable, and way yes. m- like more of a polished yes. experience, and has a lot more to offer, and certainly if you're, if you're a hardcore person like me, and you want to 100% it, it's got all kinds of value that's in this game that makes it justify that $60 right. price tag. So it's Which kind of a it, yeah. Nintendo problem. like, And it's certainly because this is an old game. If this wasn't Nintendo, this game would be $15 on a sale. Right. But it's Nintendo. Right. And so because right. of that, like, I feel like that gripe is, like you said, like Luigi's Mansion, $60. Uh, Mario Odyssey, you know, 60 bucks feels like a $60 game. But totally they're really very, yes. very, and Breath of the Wild, you know, feels like a $60 game. But there are very exactly. few Nintendo games that feel that way. But they just they keep that price tag on there because they're, they're of the mind of, hey, we're artists. This is our art. This is what we think it's worth. 
we're not going to go against that. And yes. Yeah. And so Donkey Kong, despite the fact that it was what like a 2013, 2014 game, is still 60, is just a Nintendo thing, not necessarily a, a right. bash against this game specifically. And I'm yeah, and I'm so glad you say that. But when I see Hades sitting on the shelf, literally next to Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, and Hades is $34.99, and I know in my head that's super giant knowing that they're the they're the underdog and they just want to make this game accessible to everyone and make a little bit of profit here and just pay their team members well and give them all bonuses at the end of the year and i hope they all get paid a heck of a lot of money and then i see donkey kong next to it and i'm like i've never even heard of this game but because it's nintendo yeah it's 50 you see what i'm saying so i can't help but think that yeah and, in a perfect and world I hate man thinking, yes exactly we live in, in, in this in, one well, not even in a perfect world, but in my world, because it's subjective and I'm not a platformer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I, that's why I said, like, is that even a legitimate gripe? Because it's very subjective to me, and I don't want to do It's disrespectful. If, if, the, if uh, the creators of this game were to hear me say that and they were Japanese, they'd be very dishonored, right? Like, they'd be like, who is this punk? How dare he disrespect <laughs> our art? And that would be fair. That would be a fair criticism. Yeah. But I just can't help but feeling, like, for someone who doesn't love platformers... And a game that's not a 3D Mario World game, which is the flagship brand of Nintendo right now, I just don't want to... I just don't want to shell out that much. I just (laughs) don't feel like, you know, like it should be in the Hades range. It should be... it's, It's not even as good as Hades in my mind. So it's like, you know, like... It is all subjective. I just felt like I should mention that if you don't love platformers, that would just be my only real gripe. It's a beautiful game all around. The physics are great. I don't really have a ton of platformer experience to like compare it to, but I do love the variety and I love that it's, you know, it's got its own imagination, etc. We've all we've covered all the bases. That's really just my biggest gripe is like I just don't feel like as someone who wants to play more casual that a platformer game that's a B-tier Nintendo character should be that much money. I'm not poor. I have adult money. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen that TikTok trend, adult money, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, it's not a money thing. It's more of a, what's this worth to me? Yeah, it no, just I, didn't feel it, like, inherent value for so, sure. Anyway, that's a dumb argument. I, I feel dumb breathing well, bringing other, it up. But what like, other gripes do you have, Jared, just to get really? through your list? Because I've got a list here that we can, sure. that we can knock out. Just those, just those two. I really felt okay. like the game was super fair. I really enjoyed all of it. So let's hear yours. Go ahead. Okay, so a couple of quick preferences that aren't necessarily fair gripes, but I do wish that there were more control options. Um, yeah. And this might have just been the issue coming out of actually playing so many Dark Souls games. But sure, after sure. playing so much Souls, it, it felt very unnatural to use the Y button on my controller um, because I only hit that would be square on a on a playstation controller and i only hit that part of the controller when i was using a crucial item square is to heal and so like using it all the time in donkey kong just didn't feel right um and on top of that i wanted to just reassign like that was my thing is like just give me the option to reassign some of these moves to other other buttons and it just doesn't give you that option like i i wanted to use a as a roll button because i was i had played four freaking from software games and that's always yep. how you roll is is a yes. you roll out of the way so i was like okay let me do that and then i'll have b as my jump but it doesn't give you that option it's it's b a that's it i think you can swap it to where it's like y a and x b or y b and, and x a or, sure, whatever, but or like, something like that yeah but it's it, i just wanted the option and it's not there um time attack 
which is like a part of like once you beat the level, you can go back and do like a, a run through basically and yep. try and beat it within yep. a limited amount of time. Seemed very superfluous to me and definitely annoying to someone who likes to 100% these sorts of games because I was like, Ugh. like all I want to do is do the collect-a-thon side of things. I want to get all yes. the cool secrets. I don't yep. want to be forced to hone the precise jumps to make this arbitrary limit yeah. of time this isn't cuphead okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah and even then like cuphead doesn't necessarily have time attack unless you're incredibly insane but like so i hated myself because playing through it and trying to 100 it, it's like i had all the kong pieces i had all the puzzle pieces but i haven't done time attack yet and that's like one of the little badges is there and it's not filled out and so like that was annoying too um as far as ones that I think are, are pretty legitimate gripes, I know for me it was very easy to rack up lives to the point that they were completely pointless and arbitrary. I had like 99 balloons by World yeah. 1-5, like very easily. Yeah. It was like way too yeah. many, way too quick. And same goes for banana coins. The coins, so like you got like the regular bananas, right? Which have like a very, just side note, but very satisfying like click to them. Yes. When you collect <laughs> yes. them. And I love that. Like, I love, I appreciate games that go out of their way to make those little tiny pieces of, I guess you could call ASMR or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Like, obviously Mario has his his coin boing, and then, like, Sonic has his coins, and they sound a little different. But the bananas sound great, and they feel great to grab. (laughs) And the banana coins are, like, supposed to be, like, the better banana. And there's way too many of them. And they never feel like, like whenever I like complete like a little tiny puzzle or like collect all the bananas in area and it rewards me a banana coin, I'm like, nah, whatever, right. like yeah, completely exactly. worthless in my opinion. Yeah. So it's it a puzzle like piece that. or nothing. And to be honest, Jared, I don't know. So we talked a little bit about levels and maybe we can talk a little bit more specific here, but I don't know how you felt about these, but I do not love, and quite honestly, felt very annoyed any time it was a rocket barrel level. Mm-hmm. The you just—they're basically Flappy Bird. If you've ever played Flappy yeah. Bird on your phone, yeah, you hold no, A I, and you go yeah. up, and then you let go of it and you drop down. And I appreciate yeah. that they're trying to mix things up, and those tended to be very cinematic levels as well. Yes, but I was just—I yep. was—I oftentimes it was like a slight problem where I died and then I'd have to replay a big long part again and I was annoyed by it. I just don't love those levels. And to be honest, anytime they popped up, I was ready to get past them. And certainly as a completionist too, oh, those levels, you, they suck. Those, trying to get all the con letters, trying to get all the puzzles. Yes. Oh. Because you feel like you have to sacrifice a life and return to the checkpoint just to get the Kong letter. Yeah. Like, it's not... Yeah, exactly. No, I would agree with that. All right, keep going. Um, my last gripe <laughs> is just that we're never going to get a sequel to this game. Yeah. I just yeah. want more. I yeah. love Retro Studios. They've been working on something. They were supposed to be working on something else since they released this on the Switch, since they ported it. Right. And we don't know what that was. They got moved over to Metroid Prime 4. So supposedly they've been working on that for the last three years. Yeah. <laughs> we're guaranteed, essentially at this point, to not get another one of these. Um, the yeah. first returns sold 6.5 million copies. So it was a, it was a decent hit. But this yeah. one, to date, has only sold a little over 4 million and when it was first released, it only sold like 2 million. 
So it's had yeah. a good buff being on the Switch, but it's obviously started to to dwindle in its value. And so I doubt we'll right. ever get another one. And so this is this being the last one in my mind is is a hit against it cuz I think there's so much more that they could have done and I uh, like I said at the start of this, I think that the first one's a little bit more inventive and a little bit more sure. original and stands the test of time a little better. And I wish they had been able to capitalize with a third. Um sure. but again, yeah. a little bit of a personal gripe there, but nonetheless. Yeah, or or maybe something along the lines of like um like the country series, you know, something similar, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, which, I'm with you. Which is what it is, you know, companies move on. So I'll right. have to suck it up, right. but it is a sad thing <laughs> indeed. Um last question here, Jared. We talked about, of course, the design of the world and how great it is, but how did you what did you think about like the the 3D mixing up of the levels and the way Dude, I, that they just like were very dynamic in how they yeah. unfolded. So yeah, the, the, I love the cinematic parts of it. I love uh, you know areas collapsing away that that you then had to like incorporate into your run through. Um, I loved all of that. This the cinematics of this the uh, since you use that word, I'll use it again. Are, are excellent, especially in those uh, the uh, rocket barrel and the minecart levels, um, and some different camera angling too. There's a part where in I think World Four, I think yeah, World Four, where you go through um, and the camera comes from to behind you, and it really does feel like you know Subway Surfer briefly. And I enjoyed yeah. that stuff. It mixed it up. I, I enjoyed that. I love the cinematics. Everything um, you know, you know, playing with lights and darks and, and all the different stuff. Um, so I, I did really en- enjoy that. Um, I'd say I like thought, the reason that I even ask is I think like the dynamic levels are the star of the show here. Like yeah, they, totally they are where this game comes to life. And so yeah. I just wanted to give them a shout out, I guess. I also felt too, like the backgrounds of the, of the game, since we're talking about 3d were just came to life a lot. Yeah. The, the, what was going on in the background was really interesting. I actually wish that they had done more, you know how you land on the like the launch pad in World One and you smack it and like in the background the world quakes right as you break right. as you break ships and stuff. I wish that that had been way more common throughout. That's that's a little gripe that I can I can mention now that I think of it. I, I just I wanted more and more and more of that that Donkey Kong strength all throughout. Um, yeah, but. I think but, it's you know, so funny just thinking about like the strength. Of course, he's a gorilla, and so like he's affecting right. all these things. But like, I think it's so funny just based on the design, like the fact that he's kind of tiny compared yeah. to a lot of these like ginormous, horrifying creatures. Yes, like, an owl is about the same size as Donkey Kong, and you're like, holy yeah. crap, that is a right. six foot five owl. Oh yeah, right there. <laughs> like yes. what in the world? Yes. Kind of horrific. Yes. Oh. And I did too. Um, just a, I forgot to mention earlier. I did love that instead of like Mario, uh, Mario has his star where he flips and jumps and is invincible. I love the Rhino. That's such a cool yes. thing. It's so random, but I love it when I get Rhino time in the uh, uh, in the worlds. That's so much fun to me. Yeah, that's, Rhino that's so much more fun. Time. Yeah, so much more fun than the star. You know what I mean? Like in comparison. So yeah. it's good stuff. But uh, yeah. Did Josh? you play uh, co-op at all, Jared? Just a quick question. No, no, didn't get a chance. Was it worth it? Is it good? It's good. Okay, so this one's definitely like that sweet spot between new Super Mario Bros where there's four people and it's just utter chaos and you can't get anything done. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> kind of like you're working together. At the same time, though, this game is, is really hard. So yeah. if you have someone that you're playing with who's not that great, there's going to be a lot of lives lost. So... But yeah. it's, it's it's a nice it's a nice sweet spot and it's fun because you can kind of like 
obviously if you're Donkey Kong, you have to kind of compensate for the fact that you don't have all the extra abilities, but the person who is the co-op player gets to play as the person with extra abilities. And so they can kind of like get through a little bit easier and then you can kind of grab onto them. And so it gets a little easier that way. So I thought it was pretty good. It was a good intersection between like fun, helpful and horrible mess ups. (laughs) Yeah. So I appreciated that. Well, I don't really have um, any other notes for this game. I have to come clean and admit, yes, I did not finish the game. I didn't quite get it in, but I enjoyed every second of it. And it wasn't a grind at all. It was enjoyable for me to sit down and play it. It's just that I was busy. And two, um, Josh, I really do have to refer to your um, background on a lot of these decisions that we make for the, the whether a game should go into the Hall of Games. But comparing this game to other platformers, I'll just ask straight out. Do you feel like this game should go into the Hall of Games in its genre? You know, like platformers, et cetera. Do you feel like it should be up there in our Hall of Games? Jared, I think that this game is well made. I mean, that's obvious. And there's a lot of ingenuity that's gone into it. But I think it suffers from returning to the well one extra time after sure. returns. And they introduce a lot of cool elements. They try to mix up a lot of the themes. They capitalize on some of that 3D background dynamics that are going on. But to be honest, especially after this is my... I think it's my fourth playthrough. I think sure. that this game really... It doesn't it it doesn't strike it its own mark next to some of the other greats in this yeah. franchise. I think it does a again, it's a really great job, but I think that a lot of what we're seeing here and a lot of the praises that we have were done before by the original. And because yeah. of that, this one doesn't necessarily introduce a whole lot that's that's brand new. And I know that that's heresy to a lot of people. I know sure. that a lot of people <laughs> in the platformer um, genre are going to cry foul and say that I'm cutting this one short because it has so many rewards built into it for people who are into that sort of game. But I, I really do think that this one does unfortunately fall a little bit short here. And, and that's, that's, that's sad for me to say, but I don't think that it should be in our hall of games. Yeah, and I'm of the same opinion. I, I do obviously come from a less uh, intimate background with the series, with Nintendo itself, and with games in general and platformers. But what I will say is that like not having a game in the Hall of Games, again, I've said this before, it does not take away from a game being well done. What we're simply saying is that we don't believe that it's greatness incarnate in a game. And so I actually completely agree with you. I agree with that decision. Uh I don't think it should go into the Hall of Games. It's a it's a good game, um, very well done. Totally agree with everything good you said about it. But but again, I don't think it's befitting of greatness. It's just enjoyable, and there's nothing wrong with that. Certainly, uh, certainly an excellent excellent game. No, so. and they try to make the best of what they're given. You know, they right, they right. really pack this game with everything that a Donkey Kong game, a two D rather Donkey Kong game could be packed with. Crisp yes. visuals, animations are fantastic across the board. Uh, the music is pretty good. It's not really amazing. There's no head boppers or anything. The 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 of course actual gameplay is is precise, and I love that. But um, 
at the end of the day, it just doesn't strike its own original path. And yes, because of that, I think it, it doesn't make it, but, um, yeah, to totally agree to wrap this up here. Um, of course it's not in the hall of games, but just to give it a positive note here, Jared, what was your favorite boss? That was one question I was going to ask that we didn't get to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I like the, uh, I thought most of them were fairly tedious. Uh, they're, just because, hard, you know, yeah. they're, di- they're difficult. They are hard, uh, no matter who you play with. But, uh, I did like the three baboons. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And just a lot of moving parts. And that was probably my favorite. That was a lot of fun. So, okay. Yeah. Shout out to one. the baboons. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love how well, they look- come back after they're dead and like their yeah. ghosts help <laughs> the their ghosts, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. And it was goofy. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, there we go. Final decision, folks. Uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, while a good game does not make it into the Hall of Games. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. You make that choice. If you're a platformer fan, you'd probably really enjoy that. And, uh, yeah, play it for yourself. Let us know what you think. Uh, give us an email. Uh, uh, be sure to tell a friend about the podcast. Drop us a five-star review. And uh, check out our past episodes for more backlog, in-depth conversations. We like to go long and strong and uh, and really talk about these games in depth as much as we can. So uh, thanks for uh, hanging with us, guys. Josh, any last uh, notes? No, yeah. Just if you're a platformer guy, pick up this game. It'll, it'll reward you if you're not. You know, I don't know if I can make the recommendation. But otherwise, um, until next time, and we haven't decided what we're going to be talking about, but we'll have a conversation here. Um, and surprise you guys but until next time of course this is the video game bard um and jared i appreciate you jumping in and hosting again for this episode did a great job just want to give of a course my friend shout out always always a pleasure thank quick, you quick <laughs> shout out that. to my good friend jared jared you you just got a sultry beautiful voice and so i appreciate it every time i hear it but um oh stop otherwise i think this is us signing off have a good one